Welcome to the Built Not Born podcast presented by Edge Leadership Academy. I'm your host and founder of Edge Leadership Academy, David Kitchen, and together we're going to spend some time with some of the top leaders in their fields to figure out what built them into the leaders they are today and get an inside look at their processes, habits, and philosophies. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, share, leave a review so we can continue to reach as many aspiring leaders as possible. Also, be sure to join us on our website, www.edgeleadershipacademy.com, for access to all of our free content and resources for leaders and those wanting to be leaders. Um, be sure to follow us on social media so we can keep the conversation going. I'm fired up to be part of this project, and I'm looking forward to diving into this episode. Leaders are built, not born. are joined by a very special guest man we've been trying to get this episode together for a minute now um overcome and adapt that's what we do we're fired up to bring this to you man i'm here with with a ceo an author a leadership coach a mindset coach um this guy does a little bit of everything has been around some of the greats in baseball and is really bringing value to a lot of people so i'm fired up to welcome diamond hall to the show today we're going to sit down with diamond talk a little bit about his journey and some of the things that he teaches in his program. So, Diamond, man, welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming. Man, I appreciate you having me, David. Yeah, man, man, I'm fired up. Talk, man, I wanted, to, I wanted to let you know, grateful for everything you do inside of the industry, man. Seriously. Hey, I, I appreciate that, man. It's, it's all about adding value. And I think, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I was so excited for this episode is I think we both have a very similar mindset when it comes to our approach to adding value to other people. Um, and kind of leading from the inside out, so to say. Uh, so I, I can't wait to get into this conversation, man. Well, let's let's give the people a little bit of background on you. Tell people who you are. I think your your story is is super interesting and and honestly an amazing story to hear. So I think it'll be a lot of a lot of value for the listeners. So if you want to go ahead and share that, and then we'll get into some questions, man, and we'll we'll get this thing rocking and rolling. Sure. So I guess the the first place to start is, um, man, I grew up in a single parent household, single mother household. Watched my mom. Uh, persevere through so many different things throughout the course of my lifetime. So, uh, you know, everything, everything that I am today is definitely come from her. And one of the, one, I guess one of the biggest turning points in my life, in my career that kind of got the personal development journey started. It got the, it got the leadership development journey started, the mindset development journey started, the mental conditioning development journey started was when I was 14 years old. I remember, I remember like staring at the sky and my teammates were surrounding me in a, a few moments before, um, you know, I'd went head on with somebody on the field, on the football field. And I remember one of my teammates, his name is Ryan, Ryan Bayer. I remember him looking down at me and saying, hey, D, like, get up, get up, D, get up. And I remember looking at him and thinking to myself, okay, let's get up. And I remember saying to him, can't move. I'm stuck. And I remember his, his eyes starting to tear up because that's when he realized that I was paralyzed. My teammates started to realize it. I honestly think I was the last one to realize it. Yeah. Um, and I think in that moment, it was like, for me, it was this, it was shocking. It was scary at first, but then I transitioned over into this next feeling, which was like the sense of calm. 
because the thoughts that were rolling through my head was, okay, this is it. Like this is gonna be the rest of my life. I'm gonna be staring at the ceiling sky. I'm gonna be staring at the sky. I'm gonna be staring at the ceiling. Somebody's gonna have to feed me through a tube. I've seen this on seen this on TV. Guys get hit, guys get paralyzed and they can't move anymore. They, you know, they have to be pushed around in a wheelchair. It's this is it. And I remember the ambulance coming to get me, um, picking me up, putting me on the stretcher. Um, and then yeah, taking me to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, um, it was like this, I don't know, it was just a, it was just a surreal, not necessarily a surreal, it was just a crazy thing, man. It was just a crazy experience because when you're telling your body to move, when you're telling your hands and your fingers to do this and they're not responding, it's just like something that you don't typically experience, right? But the, the cool part about this was I started to get my feeling back a little bit later, a few hours later. So, I mean, it was a blessing. It was a crazy, crazy blessing. It was a huge lesson. Um, I remember the doctors coming in. So a little bit fast forward, you know, I had, um, I had to go to the, uh, to a few specialists to see what had happened. And after I was moving, like I was fine. But when I went to the specialist, we did all these, we did all these, uh, scans, we did the MRI, we did the, did everything, you know, we looked at everything. And I remember being in the office with my mom, the doctor coming in and being like, diamond, I got good news and I got bad news for you. Good news is you're walking. Good news is you can move. Bad news is I'm not going to be able to clear you to play the game of football anymore. And I was like, wait a minute, what? What do you mean? Like, this is, this is what I put all my time, all my effort, all my energy into throughout my whole life. Like, the goal is to get to the NFL. Like, I have scouts coming to watch me every single day. Like, I went to the, I went to the Ohio State camp and ran a 4-3-40 like a few weeks ago. Like, this is what I do. This is who I am. And so when he, when he told me that, it was like I lost my identity. Because if you were to talk to that version of Diamond, he would have told you, I am a football player. You know? 100%. And that's who I was. So when, when that was taken away from me, it was like this, it was like I was floating, right? It was, it was just crazy because I had never had to experience anything like that before. And I was one of the top running backs in the country. You know, scouts coming from all over, um, getting three, four touchdowns a game. It was just a, it was just a crazy thing. But the lesson that I had taken from that, and I remember my mom having a conversation with me. She, she talked about, um, you know, she talked about keeping things in perspective and how everything happens for a reason and how we have to extract lessons from everything that we experience. And so for me, it was like this two, three time, uh, two to three week time period where I was like searching for this lesson. Like what, what was the lesson that was coming from this? And for me, it was, I was taking my body for granted that whole time. That whole time I was playing, all, all 14 years of my life, I was taking my body for granted. And so in that moment is when I kind of shifted that into becoming grateful for my body and started becoming more, more humble uh, in more, uh, in more, I'd say, I'd say I transitioned into the, into the realm of being a little bit wise because the experience just put me in a position that most people don't usually get to, uh, you know, have the opportunity, right, to experience. And um, for me, from that point on, I focused on being grateful for everything that I have, especially my body, especially this thing we take for granted every day. We get up, our heart beats on its own, our brain works on its own, our, our fingers do whatever we want them to do when we tell them to do it, right? So for me, that was the biggest lesson. And then that was also when that, that was also a, a time period where, uh, where the self-education game kind of started too. 
So after I had figured out, okay, that was the lesson that I extracted from this. Now the question was, what am I going to do? The question was, who am I and what am I going to do? So I had to figure out who, who I was, but I had already figured out like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up the game of basketball. I've been playing, not pick up the game of basketball, but I'm going to continue playing the game of basketball. I'm going to get to the NBA, just like I was supposed to get to the NFL. This is what we're going to do. So I put all my time, all my effort, all my energy into basketball. One year later, same thing happened. I was driving in the lane, got tripped up, went head on with somebody, temporarily paralyzed. I knew what the process was going to look like. Went to the doctor, said, Diamond, I got good news. I got bad news for you. Good news, you're walking, you're moving. It's supposed to be permanent. Bad news, you can't play the game of basketball anymore. It's like, okay. Same thing happened again. This time around, I didn't tie my identity to it, though. So the next step for me was like, okay, now what am I going to do? Because I've got all these talents. I've got all these gifts. Now I'm going to step into the game of baseball. I'm going to pick up the game of baseball. Never played the game of baseball before. So here's going to be the next journey. I'm going to give everything that I have inside of this journey. And so that was where this, this phase of, uh, of figuring out how important the mental side of the game was. Because with basketball and football, like – like you have this time, you have so much, you know, so much time to recover. Like you have a play and then you can recover. You have a good play, you can recover. You have a bad play, you can recover. Same thing with basketball. Transitioning back and forth. But baseball was a little bit of a different game. And so when I started playing baseball and started playing this catch-up game, I was like behind. I was way behind. I was bigger. I was faster. I was stronger than everybody. I was putting in more hours in the cage. I was putting in more hours in the, in the weight room, everywhere. But I still wasn't getting the same results that everybody else was getting because it was more so of a mindset and a skill game. Um, so for me, I was blessed to have, a, to have an awesome teammate who uh, his grandpa actually gifted him the book called Heads Up Baseball by Dr. Ken Revisa and Dr. Tom Hansen. And I remember him giving it to me and saying, hey, D, you got, you got to read this. Like, if you read this, it's going to change the game for you. So that book right there was the start of everything. And by the way, Dr. Tom Hansen, he's the, you know, he's the, he's the awesome person who wrote the forward to the hitters black book. So, and I never, I never even thought that was going to be a thing until, you know, a few years ago, but um, yeah, that, that was, that, that kind of got the personal development journey started. And from there, the bookshelf just grew, man. And uh, I was focused on leadership from that point on how I could become the best version of myself, how I could give to other people, how I could grow myself when it came to the mental side of the game and with the mental side of the game, for me, all the way up until JUCO to the D1 level, even, even afterwards, it was always about how, how can I take these concepts that I was learning inside of these books that I was reading and that I was studying and then apply them to my game. After I applied them to my game, saw what worked and what didn't work, have the opportunity to share them with my teammates. Then I'd have the opportunity to share them with the coaching staff and we could implement them as a team with what we had at that moment in time. So that, that was the coolest part for, for when it came to that journey and when it came to the personal development and the mental conditioning journey. Um, so fast forward after I, after I finished up the career, um, let's see, reconnected with Mercer, reconnected with Jeff Mercer, who was recruiting me when I was in high school for baseball. Um, and, you know, we had a conversation and he was like, hey, I want to do something that, that's never been done before in Division I baseball history. I know you're huge on the mental side of the game. When I was recruiting you, when I was at Western Kentucky, you were huge on the mental side of the game. You were studying. I, I you know, I saw you reading before books like Brian Kane books, like, like uh, mental conditioning books, and then applying them to your game. Like, I want to start doing that here. We've already got a little bit of a foundation with it. We had Love Lady, Lady, Love Lady was before me, and then, you know, now I'm here running everything. But let's let's have a specific a specific role 
for this idea of mental conditioning. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So we created this position um, and I became the director of peak performance and mental conditioning. And then we, you know, I, I had the opportunity to kind of be an entrepreneur, which is building everything from scratch inside of an organization. So I built the processes, I built the systems, I built all the presentations, the workshops uh, for the for the baseball guys and then for the for the hitters and then for the pitchers. And then what else? Man, built the whole curriculum from scratch and kind of had the freedom to to implement things as we saw needed, you know, to get us results. And the goal for us was to win a championship, was to get our guys drafted and to get these guys at high levels in the classroom. Those were our three goals. So for me, I was focusing on how can I make sure that everything that we're doing is leading up to those three things. And so we ended up getting a championship that year. Our guys did great in the, um, they did great in the classroom. We had quite a few guys drafted um, and we worked, we got results, right? So after that, Towards the end of towards the end of the time there at Wright State, you know, I, I started feeling like this weight on my shoulders. I started feeling this weight on my shoulders, like you know, this stuff is working here. We've got thirty five guys, a staff of five, but I want to be able to get this stuff out to the world. Like there are guys out there, like across, overseas, who don't have access to this information. Who this could change their game, and then one day this could do, you know, potentially what Heads Up Baseball did for me, which is get me to the level that I got to just through having that resource. I had never met Dr. Tom Hansen. I had never met Dr. Kendra Visit, but the, the, the information that they left, right? Inside of that book, it did so much for me because I consumed it and then I applied it. So in my brain, it was like, how can I do this in a way that brings me in more income and then more impact? Those are the two things that I was focusing on. So ended up building a book, stepped off staff at Wright State, built a book, built a few online courses, built that passive stream of income, built uh, built a built a quite a quite a decent amount of a social social media following and then um you know a, a good impact inside of the programs man so uh, that that was the game of being the full-blown entrepreneur uh, rather than the rather than the entrepreneur where um i mean i had to take my own risk i had to do everything on my own uh, i had to put in my own money i had to build everything from scratch again and for me that was fun man i love the challenge you know so um so now I'm doing the leadership coaching here at IMG and, and I'm enjoying it. I love it, man. See, and then there's so much like we could, I'm going to start unpacking some of this because I'm, I'm over here taking notes, man, that your journey is so interesting. And there's, there's some parallels here um, that, that I recognize and that, that I understand from a, from yeah. a personal standpoint, like growing up in a single parent household, I, I was the same. I grew up, I watched my mom, you know, work at, she worked at a bar and then she also worked at a restaurant and some nights you know, we had for dinner, whatever was on special at the restaurant, because that's what they were getting rid of at the end of the night. So that's what was in the styrofoam containers. That's what we had for dinner. Yeah. Um, and there's a certain mindset, I think that 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 builds um, that is just different. Like, I don't know how to explain it, really. You're not afraid of being broke, but you also never want to go back to that place. Right. But it also becomes you see somebody who is working so hard to take care of somebody else that then you become like that type of person. Like you're just like, no, I need to add value to other people. I need to work hard for me so that I can take care of everybody else. Like, it's like for me, for you, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? So it becomes this, I need to pour into me so that I can pour into you. And I think that when people have that at a young age, it starts to develop these characteristics and these traits that then blossom as they grow older and they get more experiences and they're, you know, things start to change in their own life. So I thought that was the first piece, man. The second thing you said that really, really got me and really hit me, and it's obviously on a very different level once I explain the, the yeah. example here is when you said 
the mind, the thing that happens mentally when your body doesn't respond the way you want it to. So I, I want our listeners to think about this, guys, because so many 18 to 22 year old kids and a lot of our listeners are coaches, uh, teachers, parents, things like that. A lot of kids tie their identity to that. And, and I know I did right as a football player. I tied my identity to being able to, to brawl in the trenches like that's what I did. That's who I was. The first time I stepped back on the field after my first knee surgery and my body did not respond the way I wanted it to in the moment that I wanted it to respond a certain way. That was one of the most devastating emotional experiences of my life. And I will say that out loud, honestly, that feeling of going from, especially someone at, at your caliber, like you were saying, I just ran a four, three, a couple of weeks ago. Now I'm getting told I can't even play ball anymore. Yep. That experience for a lot of people can break them. And that's where we have to do a great job as coaches, as leaders, as, as parents, as support systems to make sure that our young men and women are not fully tied to one thing and fully tied to, to that experience as a student athlete. It's, it's, listen, it's invaluable. Okay. The things that you learn on the football field, on the baseball field, basketball court, they will build your life. Absolutely. But you have to have a life to build, right? Yep. You have to have something outside of it as well. So, so that hit me, man. And, and then moving on to this next point, like I said, I got like bullet points here because you were yeah, just, yeah. you were just dropping gems in there. And David, um, real quick to, it, to, it, to top, on, top on what you just said with the identity game, man. I think that's, I think a lot of people think that, uh, you know, when it comes to leadership, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to life, that our behaviors drive our identity. But I actually believe it's the other way around. And there's three things, three things that I always teach all of the athletes that I work with, all of the, um, all of the business owners who I work with, all of the people inside of the leadership game who I work with around the world. The biggest thing that I always teach is um, there are three identities that if we adopt, it will be good for life. The first one is becoming a go-getter. This is something that, that most of us who are competitors who stepped inside of the, the sports game from a young age, we already have. Being a go-getter. That's the one identity that we actually should have. The second identity that usually we don't adopt and we don't hear about is being a go-grower. Like doing everything that you can to grow, to grow, to learn. What resources can I get? How can I make sure that this happens? How can I make sure that this happens? But then the third identity that we must adopt as leaders is becoming go-givers, which is the biggest thing that most people miss is some people never even adopt this identity throughout the course of their lifetime. But in my mind, from what I've learned, um, not only through my experience, but through doing a lot of different, uh, a lot of different training, a lot of different workshops, a lot of different keynotes with so many different people with so many different backgrounds. Those are the three identities of some of the highest performers in the world. And when we can adopt those and we can, we can look at ourselves and say, I am a go-grower. I am a go-getter and being okay with being a go-getter. And then I am a go-giver, the last thing, making sure that everything that you learn, everything that you achieve, you eventually leave it all for the person who comes behind you, for the people who are coming behind you, for the people you're leading. If we can adopt those three identities, I think whatever avenue we go into after sports are over, it'll set us up for success. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's dive into that a little bit deeper because now you got my, my brain rolling on you here. When you say be okay with a go-getter, I, th I think I know where you're going with this and I wanna hear you unpack it because I think you're about to drop a real gem for everybody here. So, so let's hear it. So when people, one of the, one of the things that I've experienced throughout the course of my lifetime is people saying, Hey, you got to slow down. You got to slow down. You're doing too much. You got to slow down. I, I, you're doing really good. But you got to slow down. And being an achiever naturally and through experiences, 
I think sometimes it gets demonized. Um, and when it does, it's just interesting because of the, because of the group of people who demonize achievers, right? And it's like not realizing that they can actually become an achiever as well. And being an achiever is not a bad thing. Um, for me, I've had a few, I've had a few experiences. People always ask me about like burnout, like how, like, what does that look like? Is that a, is that a thing? Um, and, and for me, it's like making sure we're balancing our time. Like making sure we know, because everybody's time, like the, the, their idea of balancing time is a little bit different. For me, like I'm okay with, with waking up at 4.30 in the morning, like going in with my meaningful work from, from 5 to 6 p.m. That's okay with me because I'm an achiever and I, I enjoy the process of what I'm doing because at the end of the day, it has to do with giving and contributing to other people. It's people-centric. So hopefully that makes sense. That's, dude, that's exactly that's what I was trying to pull out, man. That's exactly what I was trying to pull out because I, I had a feeling that you were on this, on the same wave as me with this. And I think, um, you know, there's, I don't know if you've read Tim Grover's book, Relentless. Of course. So, so he brings it up in there, right? There, there's a point in every high achiever's life where like, you have to decide, like, are, are you okay with what it is? Like, are you, you have to accept that piece of being, you know, a cleaner or being a, a closer. Um, and 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 so it's it's one of those things man. it's it's hard you know it's hard for people because it does it gets demonized like people are like you're doing a great job but you got to slow down or you got to do this you got to do that and it's like whoa, whoa whoa hold on by me dimming my light is going to keep me from helping other people shine that doesn't make sense to me i'm not i'm not trying to make my light brighter for me i'm trying to make my light brighter for other people like exactly. that's that's my whole point so like exactly I don't get it, you know? And, and so another example of this, like I just read the other day and it had me jacked up, man. I wrote notes about it here. Somebody on Twitter and, and it was a coach and I was super disappointed because I was like, man, like we got to be better than this. He said, yeah. people that say how you do anything is how you do everything are liars because you don't brush your teeth with the same intensity that you coach a group when you're, when you're coaching, you know, football or practice. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, it is. You're trying to tell me you don't have attention to detail when you're brushing your teeth. You don't focus on those things. You're not doing it with some sort of intent. I think you are. So to me, like I try and live life with intent. Like I say, I call it living life in HD. Like I try and I see the that. details. Like that's what it's about to me. So when people say slow down or this or that, and I'm like, no, like you need to go faster. And it's okay if you can't go faster right now, I'll go faster and then I'll come back and get you. Like I'm good. Let just don't try and slow me down. And yep. so I think for a lot of young people that are in that, it, it is, it's like this, identity crisis at times where you're like you have part of people in your life that are trying to pull you one way and tell you to slow down and calm down and then there's this voice inside of you that's saying no you got to go man and it's okay to listen to that voice I think that is something that people miss out on man listen to that voice and go and at least find out what's on the other side yep and that voice inside of us man that one that's telling us to go that one that's telling us to move in the direction that we know uh, we need to go within is one of the key reasons why I knock out a strategic meditation every morning so that I can get connected and I can hear that voice clear, yeah. even throughout the course of the day. Like that's what, and I know I don't talk about this typically on social media, but that's the sole reason of the strategic meditation game, which some of the people who are inside of some of the challenges that I run right now, once they get to a certain level, we're gonna break this down, but it's a matter of connecting with that voice inside of you, drowning out every other voice and then following the one that's inside of you that's telling you to go that's telling you, hey, this person needs you. You've got to impact them today. Hey, you're a little bit stressed. Let's get you back in a state of calm. Hey, you've got a great opportunity here, here, and here, but this one is the best decision to go with. 
because of A, B, and C, getting connected with that voice. So that voice becomes incredibly clear and then following that voice. And why that's so important is because that voice is the first thing to speak. Any event that happens in your life, that voice is the first thing to speak. So I teach in my workshops something called the crazy roommate. Like you have a crazy roommate, your internal dialogue, right? It's, it's irrational. It just speaks. It just whatever comes to its mind, it speaks, whatever it sees, it interprets in a certain way. It can either be your best friend or your worst enemy. It's up to you, right? But either way, that voice is going to speak. So what you're talking about right here, getting clear, right? And setting your intentions, like talking to your crazy roommate and saying, hey, this is what we need to focus on. This is where we need to go. So now every time an event happens, the crazy roommate or your internal dialogue perceives it through those eyes and says, so instead of this is adversity, it's no, hey, this is an opportunity to show everybody how much I've grown. Yes. And, to, and for me to grow for other people instead of, hey, this person's an inconvenience. It's, hey, no, this is an opportunity for me to lead. This is an opportunity for me to give to somebody that needs something, right? And, and so it completely changes the way you go about your daily business and you live life with intent. You live life in HD at that point. Absolutely. Man, I love that, David. Dude, fired up, man. See, this this is why we had to get together on this. I knew, I knew we were riding the same wavelengths oh, on a lot of things. You said relentless. <laughs> you, you got to. You got to, man. So, so let me ask you this, Diamond, because I think you have this this profound kind of vision of how everything ties together, mental, you know, physical, all that stuff and not taking advantage of certain things. Where do you think that came from? Like, what were some of the influences? I know you talked about your mom and some of the coaches you've had throughout your career. Like, what do you think, who was the biggest influence that you had? And like, what values do you think you took from them that you're now trying to display in your daily life? So I'd say you could come from, from, uh, from two, from two places, from two sources. The first source would be, the, the books and the self-education that I dove into um, and all of those authors and the, the keys and tools that they left behind, right? Bookshelf is huge, but the most important source that I'd say um, had an incredible influence on my life and still does is definitely my mom, man. You know, watching her, you know, when I was young, you know, seeing her, um, seeing her get her master's program, seeing her jump inside of the psychology industry, seeing her, um, you know, make extraordinary changes inside of the companies and the, in the, uh, in the schools and the places that she worked with and the impact that she had, um, you know, watching her teach, watching her lead. I think that probably had the biggest influence on me because, you know, I was young and being in those, being in those classrooms, being in, being inside of those conversations, seeing how she could change people's lives. Right. Uh, you know, it was, that was probably, she was probably the biggest influence and she still is. And I think that the values, uh, the values that she probably instilled in me, well, she did instill in me, uh, maybe not through conversation always, but through her actions, which is the best way to instill a value, right? Perspective, keeping everything in perspective always, being able to problem solve always being a problem solver, no matter what comes, no matter what comes your way, which is where I think my love for being an entrepreneur slash entrepreneur inside of right state. And then, and then, uh, you know, doing everything with the online company. I think that's probably where that came from. Just like when I, when I see a problem and I see a challenge, it's like, I run towards it. Most people will be like, uh, I don't want to deal with it. But for me, it's like, Oh no, no, let's go. Let's go figure out what we need to do so we can create a solution. Right. Um, and then perseverance, man, perseverance. I've watched her persevere through so many things. Um, with with positivity, and one of the one of the greatest examples I can give you here is like last year she got diagnosed with stage four breast cancer metastatic, right? So it 
uh, it ended up spreading to her to her level. But right now, and like when we have a conversations every single day, like she's still like you, you, you never know. Like she comes with the joy every single day. She comes with the positivity every single day and the perspective that she keeps and just seeing her persevere through so many different things throughout the course of her lifetime. And it's been, it's been inspiring for me throughout the course of, uh, you know, throughout the course of growing up and, and, uh, you know, and having the opportunity to be her son. Right. So, um, and then the last thing I'd say, so, so we hit, we hit perseverance, we hit positivity, we hit, um, we hit perspective, problem solving, I'd say family. Family would be the next value. Um, you know, knowing how important our family is and, and, and how, how important quality time is with our family, because we never know when something can take a left turn, right? So really being able to, um, and I'd say that probably has come through come through observing and watching and experiencing different things, right? So being able to, to set aside that time for your family, to set aside that time and reach out to somebody inside of your family that maybe you haven't had a conversation with, even if it's an uncomfortable conversation, just saying, hey, I'm grateful for you, I appreciate you, I honor you, everything that, that we've been through together, you know what I mean? Like just being able to do that, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your wife, whether it's with your husband, whether it's with your daughter, whether it's with your son, whether it's with your mom, whether it's with your dad, whether it's with a sister, whether it's with a brother, just being able to intentionally do that, because that's easy to forget inside of the game of being an achiever, right? So for me, that's something that I always set aside um, as much as possible. And, and it grounds you like those those types of values, like they ground you. It's my, my grandmother just turned 80 when we went. Um, and, and this was, a you know, another thing for me, that was a wake up call that just kind of you just kind of hit it for me. I went to to brunch. Well, first, her, her birthday was on Wednesday. I cleared my schedule. I went and had lunch with her. 80th birthday. I'm like, this is what's important to me right now. This is where I need to be. Um, and then on Saturday, she had a brunch. And I showed up to the brunch. And she hugged me. And, and she kind of whispered in my ear. And she said, you know, thank you for being here. I know you're busy. Mm. And I, I mean, dude, it was like somebody punched me in the gut. Like, I was like, well, I'm like, in my mind, I was like, I'm never too busy for for my family. You know what I mean? And then I was like, oh, wait. Maybe I haven't been acting right. Maybe I do need to be grounded a little bit more in what I'm doing. Because for me, when I got out of, of strength and conditioning at the college level, one of the primary reasons, aside from following this vision and this mission of, of building Edge Leadership Academy, was to be more present for my family because mm. I hadn't been there. And so now here I am a year later, I've got multiple businesses going um, and I'm doing these different things. And to hear that from my grandmother at 80 years old, I was like, man, like, that ain't it like that. That's not it. You know what I mean? So in those yeah. moments you get grounded. And so I think for you, it's the same thing. It sounds like every time you pick up the phone, you hear the joy in your mom's voice. It's like, how can I have a bad day? You know what I mean? Like, who am I to think that like, how arrogant is that for me to try and have a bad day right now when this yep. person is spreading joy to me with a smile on her face? Like I can't, you can't do it. You know what I mean? And, and so I, I love that stuff, man. I love hearing from other people that, that have those values that ground them. Um, I think they're, those are things that are, are irreplaceable in life. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Dude, I, I appreciate you sharing that stuff, man. Let's, let's shift gears just, just a little bit here. I want to get into some of the stuff um, that you do with your leadership coaching. Cause I think it's, it's Absolutely. unique stuff that, that needs to be shared. And I think our, our listeners will really enjoy it. Um, so one of the things that when I was doing my background on you and talking to you over the past couple of weeks, before we led up to this, this episode was you talk so much about utilizing that meditation, right? We talked about that oh, yeah. a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah. How it increases your resiliency, right? And your leadership capabilities. Can you just give us a little bit more about that? I know we talked briefly about connecting to that voice, but give me a little bit about what that process looks like. 
so for me, when I when I say strategic meditation, this this came from I kind of give you a little bit of backstory real quick. Um, man, a few years ago, um, I was at a, I was at I was at the phase of of testing it out and seeing you know how it worked. I wouldn't say a few years. This is probably like seven eight years ago. And through quite a few different phases with my with mindfulness and meditation, but there came a time when I was, I remember asking myself and wanting more from meditation, from mindfulness. So I started doing a bunch of research, started reaching out to different meditation experts, um, picking their brain, getting on the phone with them, getting a lot of different advice. And for me, it was, it was how can I become the best version of myself all the time. Like, how can I show up as the best version of myself? Not only, not only in the mornings, not only in the middle of the day, but then at the end of the day, not only when I'm inside of a meeting, but before a meeting and after a meeting, right? Like every single thing that you can think of, like, I just wanted to be able to strategically use meditation to become the best version of myself based on the need at that time. So what I did was I started off with um, I started off with strategic meditation in the morning, just making sure I get connected, I get clear, I get, I get intentional with what the day is going to look like. Five, 10 minutes. That was where I started. Let me get consistent with this. Let me get persistent with this. Let me do this every single day and see the, see the results that I experienced. And the results were crazy, man. The results were more confidence, more clarity, more consistency, more conviction, right? More connection, not only with myself, but then with other people. You know, there, there, there was a time where I remember having conversations with people. They'd be like, Diamond, I, like, like, I appreciate you for being so present with me right now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me this advice. Thank you, for, thank you for being here and being present with me right now. And that's when I knew it was like working. And so after that, I went into the second phase of the strategic meditation game, which is using it throughout the course of the day consistently based on what's going on. So when I'm stressed, I dump those, I dump those, uh, those, those, uh, those balls of stress inside of those strategic meditation practices, right? Inside of, those, uh, inside of those mindfulness practices so that that way I don't keep that throughout the course of the day. The problem is that most people, they'll experience stress throughout, let's say they experience stress at 11 a.m., some form of stress, whether it's from a conversation, whether it's from a meeting, then they'll go into their next meeting, carrying that stress, to carry in all of that energy, carry in all of those feelings into their next meeting. Productive or no? Probably, probably not. Yeah, no way. Connected or no? Probably not. Confident or no? You, and then they continue to do that. And then that adds up over a course of days, over a course of weeks, over a course of months. Next thing you know, it's trickling over into different areas of life. So for me, I thought around, I thought around this idea and this theory of like, okay, it, if I can release that stress throughout the course of the day, I'll be able to show up as the best version of myself to whatever, whatever I'm stepping into. Mm -hmm. I've got to do a keynote, make sure I hit a strategic meditation beforehand. So I can either do one of two things. If my energy is low and I feel like I need to bring my energy up, I'll go and I'll go an insight timer, find a strategic meditation that can bring my energy up, knock that out. Now I'm ready to go inside of the, inside of the keynote or if, if the energy is too high and I want to bring that arousal level down, find a strategic meditation for being more calm, for calming the mind, for bringing myself from 10 to six. So it's really being in tune with what's going on inside of you so that you can strategically show up as the best version of yourself. Definitely. And, and I think 
you know, utilizing the way you utilize it is different because it's, it's funny because it's almost the way that I'm headed, but it's not what, quite where I'm at. I think that's the next evolution of, of where I need to go with it, but I love it. And I, and I think the idea of compound, like, so in strength and conditioning, there's this idea of chronic workload, right? So it's like tonnage over time, you know, what's the workload over the course of a day, a week, a month for an athlete. Yeah. And we try and keep it, we try and manage it, right? We call it workload management. It's just like in the NBA when they're sitting guys, yep. we don't, we don't manage our stress well. Okay? And especially leaders, especially people in, in positions of power and in positions of influence, we don't manage our stress level. We almost wear it like a badge of honor. Like it's this thing, like we got the world on our shoulders and I'm like, hold on a minute. No. If we can, if we can manage it, we can be better for the people that we're trying to influence and the people that we're trying to lead. Um, and so it just makes sense to me. Now, the way you're talking about it is, is another evolution of it that I think anybody out there who's going to sit here and tell me like, cause this is the number one thing I get when, when people ask me, what's something I can do that can increase, you know, my productivity or can increase this or increase that. And a lot of times my answer is meditation. Yep. And admittedly, listen, I'm not perfect. There's times where I, where I don't meditate. There's times where I, me- I miss it. Right. It's not, it's not, I'm not perfect. But what I hear from people is I don't have time. Now, I can tell you this, every time I've missed a meditation in my life, it's not because I didn't have time. It's because I didn't prioritize it. It's because I I did something else, something else slipped, right? And so to hear you talk about these little, like almost like super, like super intentional sessions of like just focused practice, like intentional, mindful practice, five to 10 minutes, move on. You can't tell me you don't have five to 10 minutes. You just can't, you'll never convince me of that. And, and, And it's interesting that you say that, dude, the ROI the ROI of hitting your strategic meditation throughout the course of the day, after a meeting, before a meeting, before a keynote, before a workshop, after a workshop, before you have a conversation, after you have a difficult conversation, after you have a confrontation, after you have a conflict, whatever it may be, like the ROI is the decision-making process that's going to get you to where you want to go faster, better, smoother, and more efficient, more effective. The ROI when it comes to strategic meditation is, my goodness, it's tremendous. You're and clear. So, I think for me, it comes down to commitment, man. It comes down to finding people who are committed to becoming the best versions of themselves and saying, hey, if you want to be able to get to where you're going a little bit faster, do what you want to do a little bit better, do what you want to do, uh, maybe a little bit more efficient and effective and stay connected with yourself throughout the whole time. Stay more present and stay connected with other people and be able to lead yourself and lead other people and make some of the most clear decisions that you've ever made in your life. Strategic meditation is what you want to start off with. Love it. Love that. Love that. So, so let me ask you this, man, how, how can people start to do that? Like if somebody's sitting here right now and they're like, yo, I want that stuff. How can they do a better job taking responsibility for their lives? Like what are some trips, like tips, tricks, and there's no hacks to this stuff, but no. what are some things that they can do? I'd say, I'd say the number one thing that they could do is jump inside of a, jump inside of one of my strategic meditation challenges, man, in social media, um, on Instagram, you know, there, there are hundreds of people who tag me every day who are inside of a, inside of the strategic meditation challenges that I run. I run a 21 day challenge. These are all free, by the way, 21 day challenge, a 42 day or die challenge, a 65 to rise challenge. And then once you get there, you get the rest of the journey and the next steps. Um, but I think first it's just starting off with being committed and, and jumping inside of the game. So for me, it's interesting. Sometimes people say, Diamond, why are you posting your, why are you posting your strategic meditation every day? kind of like you, uh, you know, you went to earlier. It's not for me. Like, I'm going to do it regardless every day for the rest of my life. It's for you. Dude, so that I can show you over the course of time, not only that I'm doing it consistently, but then, hey, 
this teacher over here, she's doing it consistently. This mom over here, she's doing it consistently. This CEO over here, he's doing it consistently. This guy over here in the tech industry who just built seven, uh, you know, seven figure, uh, seven, two seven figure businesses, I think. Yeah, two seven figure businesses, he's doing it consistently. He's inside of the, he's inside of the journey. This, this high level athlete over here, this guy who's in high school, He's over here doing it inside of the inside of the challenge as well. Like it's to show and it's to essentially say, hey, come on. You got this. Like You've got to jump inside of this game. If you want more clarity, if you want more certainty, if you want more confidence, if you want your decision making to go from here to here. You're going to have to jump inside of the game. And when you do, you're going to experience life at a level that you've never experienced it before, like your clarity and your perspective is going to shift. And so for me, it's like posting that every single day. Typically people are like, Diamond, is that for you? Does that make, like, is that, is that to grow your social? Like, no, it's, it's, it's to genuinely show people like, hey, if you're around the world, if you're around the country and you're not in person with me, you don't get to feel this energy and electricity every day. Here's the best way to do it. Love and that. you're going to be like, it's so interesting because some of the people inside of the challenge, inside of the challenges that I run, like, they shoot me messages saying, hey, like I just got two or three people after doing this for 23 days. Like they just asked me about it. What do I do? Bring them inside of the challenge. And the reason why that happens is because they posted it consistently. And so it, this is where the this is where it comes to innovation. And when it comes to how we look at social media, social media can be used as a great thing to help people's lives in so many different ways. It's just a matter of strategically and intentionally using it that way. You know what I mean? So I think um, I think I think that could probably be the first best step is jumping inside of one of those challenges and then getting consistent with posting it every day because that creates that social accountability, that social media accountability that really exists. Yeah. And then what other people also find is that when they post it, like it's a, that's a, that's a form of accountability. And then they're holding other people accountable as, you know, as they bring more people in, it's such a, such a cool thing, man. And, it, and it's finding a community. I think that's, and that, that's ultimately like, yep. that's what I think is so cool um, about people that are, that are putting things like this out is like, okay, we have, we have individuals that are sitting here because there's people that want to be great. I, I said this, I just tweeted it the other day and I, I truly, truly believe this like to my core. There are so many people who are one hype man away from taking the first step towards greatness. Like there's so <laughs> many people that, like, they're one person telling them like, I believe in you away from like taking that first step. So people like like you that provide these types of communities that are like, hey, we're all on this journey together. I'm not preaching to you from, from up on the mountain. Like I'm walking through the valley with you. I'm just a couple steps ahead. I'm shining my flashlight back for you so that you can follow. Like that's yep. all this is. And, and I think when you get around people like that, like like-minded people, it becomes addicting. And then you're like, I don't ever want to go back to, yep. to what it was before then. You and know what I mean? Things that we should be addicted to, right? Yeah, those it, exactly. Those, exactly. Those positive experiences, those vibrations, man. It's, it's exactly that. And like we do for Edge Leadership Academy, like I, I'm a huge, and I brought this from my coaching experience, my coaching life. Like I love Fridays, love, love Fridays, man. Because I think Fridays are an opportunity to do what I, I call it break the bell curve. Like Fridays are an opportunity to get so far ahead of people and create distance. Cause everyone, everyone checks out on Friday. Like it's just, it's just what they do. And so I always talk about like finish Friday, like head down, eyes forward, finish through Friday. So like 4.45 on Friday, I consistently, I send it out to my friends. I put it on social media, whatever. Like, yo, this is your weekly reminders. 4.45, don't close that laptop. Make one more call. Make one more call. If you're an athlete, go stretch. Go do some mobility. I love Get it. One more meal in. Okay, do one love more thing. It. Because if you do it, you're 52 days, 52 days ahead of everybody else. If you do it for a year consistently every Friday. 
But what's happened is exactly what you're talking about. A community has started to grow. People that I work with in my leadership uh, consulting business are now tagging me. Like I've had basketball coaches from, from one of my schools. She tags me every Friday on her run at like, it's like 8 a.m., 7 a.m., tags me, finish Friday. And I'm like, yo, that's great because now your, your mindset is set up for the rest of the day, but it's also influenced your team because now your team sees like, hey, coach is out here getting it in on Friday. Like she's not letting this thing slip. And so the community starts and now everybody's taking responsibility. So I, I think guys, if you want to check something out that's, that's powerful like that, um, check out diamond stuff, man. Check out these free challenges because it, it is, it's not a sales pitch guys. It's just, it's genuinely trying to get people into a community that is supportive and wants everybody to win. Like that's the cool thing about people. And I think there's a skeptical, and this is me on a soapbox a little bit, but I think there's this, this like skeptical and cynical kind of view of the world sometimes where we're like, nah, nobody gives anything for free anymore. Like, no, there genuinely are people that want people to yeah, win. Man. Yep. <laughs> you know, that's, it's that simple. And, and, and it's interesting, too, because that's one of the things that most people um, and most people do struggle with. It's like, well, why, why is he why is he why is he doing this for free? Like he charges thousands of dollars with all of these other like, why is he doing this for free? And it's because essentially it, for me, my purpose is is to give like my purpose is to impact people's lives, not just in a positive way, but give them the resources, give them the weapons, give them the tools and get the, you know, get the, get their, get their skin in the game, get their feet wet inside of the pool so that they can stop looking from like, from like in the outside and the stands of the arena and finally get inside of the field and know what it's like and feel what it's like to be inside of the game. Man. And so for me, whenever I do these free, these free challenges, it's like the, the ROI on those are Hey, this changes. This is changing my life. This is changing my relationship with, with my kids. This is changing my relationship with my spouse. This is allowing me to become more connected. This is allowing me to be to make better decisions when I go to work every day. Right. That I wouldn't have made before. Like that's the ROI. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So let's let's push this issue out there too, because I think let's keep growing off of this community aspect and this this, you know, getting skin in the game. Like it's going to happen. It's, it's unavoidable that when you put skin in the game, there's going to be times where you trip and fall. We are human. Okay? We yep. make mistakes. We fall off the wagon. Like I just said earlier, like there's days where I miss my meditations. It happens. There's days, listen, since I started these businesses, there's days where I miss a workout. I hate it, but it happens. It happens. I, I'll be the first to admit it. Now, yep. what happens when that, when, when you miss one, right? So let's talk about course correction. Let's talk about U-turns. Let's talk about getting back on the path. Like how do you measure your processes, like, how do you look at your process? Because I think this is something that's always interesting about leaders and high performers. We all have like an audit system for our processes. Like I know for me, like I have, I call them discipline alarms. Like there's certain things that I'm like, if two or three of these things happen, like I know I'm slipping. So I gotta, I gotta squeeze. So what's kind of your process for measuring your outputs from your inputs and, and doing that kind of thing? Like, what do you look at when you audit yourself? So do we want to start with the, uh, so I heard two questions there. Number one, um, the question around what to do when we when we don't when we don't hit that workout when we don't hit that strategic meditation. And the second question I heard was, "What was what did you just say?" How do you audit yourself? Like how do like how do you audit your outputs and your inputs? The course correction process. Yep. Um, so I'll start with I'll start with the first one. So for me, how I live my lifestyle, and I'll kind of give you a backstory here. Um, I got to a point in my life where you know I kind of saw things from from four different four different categories. Like there are four different categories of life that are never going to go away. Um, number one is your mind. Number two is your body. Number three are your relationships, people. 
whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with your kids. Um, and then number four, our career and our businesses. So with those four categories in mind, for me, it's always, how can I make sure I'm on top of each one of those? And typically, I remember, you know, typically you have people who are like two dimensional, right? Who have, who have their relationships, they're really, really good. And then their mind is on point, but then their body is out of shape. And then, um, and then their, their career is not where they actually want it to be. Or you have one dimensional people who have who have an incredible pop, who have an incredible body, but then their relationships are are not where they need to be there. Um, their career, their business isn't where it needs to be. And then their mind isn't where it needs to be. For me, I got to a point where I was like, I want to be a four dimensional man. I want to be a four dimensional leader. How do I do that? And for me, it came down to. I'd say eight keystone habits every single morning inside of the hour that I spend connecting with myself so that I can set myself up for, set myself up for success throughout the course of the day. Number one, inside of my body, excuse me, inside of my mind, making sure I'm hitting my strategic meditation so that I can get connected with myself, so I can get connected with that voice, I can get clear on what the intentions are for the course of the day. And then I immediately go to my strategic journaling process. What am I excited about today? It's going to put a smile on my face. What am I grateful for this morning? Not just the general stuff, but what am I really, really grateful for right now? Is it my heartbeat? Is it my subconscious mind? Is it my eyeballs? Like sometimes we forget that our eyeballs are something to be grateful for, right? Like, so those are the two things inside of my mind that I make sure that I do. Inside of my body, it's the fitness game and then the fuel game. So you got your mind and then you've got your body. Okay. Inside of your body, there's two subcategories. This one, fitness. This one, fuel. So for the fitness game, I make sure I either move, sweat, or I actually train. Three different levels. Moving could be a walk. Sweating could be, all right, I'm going to get on the treadmill and make sure I sweat. The third stage is making sure I train which some people, you know, depending on where you are, you've got to climb the ladder. But for me, this was like, how can I make sure I'm getting, I'm getting all of these categories filled so that I can become the best version of myself throughout the course of the day, throughout the course of my life, and give what I have to other people. Inside of the fuel game, green smoothies. People ask me, Donna, why do you post a green smoothie every day? Because number one, it tastes good. Number two, you're getting your greens in. You start, you start that health journey a little bit, right? Tastes good. If you make it on your own, go get some, go get some mangoes, go get some strawberries, go get, a, go get some, uh, you know, go get some bananas, go get some, go get your milk, go get your protein, put it all in there, boom, right after you work out, right after you move, right after you sweat, drink a green smoothie. Now you feel good around this idea of your body. You've electrified and you've energized your body. Number three, so we've got your mind, we've got your body, got your relationships over here. Right here, what I do is I make sure I, pour, I do a positivity pour to at least one person every day. Whether it's somebody who's reached out to me on social media asking a question, whether it's my mom, whether it's my little brother, whether it's, a, whether it's somebody who I work with, whether it's somebody who I work for, whether it's one of my clients, whether it's somebody who I met in Clubhouse the night before inside of a room, whether it's David Kitchen, like, I make sure I do a positivity pour. 
That could be through audio, that could be through text, that could be through video, whichever one I feel good with. Just one person, just choosing one person to fill their cup in some way, shape, form, or fashion. The fourth thing over here is our business, our career. Some people have a career, some people have a business, some people have both, like you and I. So for this, it's a matter of doing two things. Number one, making sure I'm reading and growing my brain with whatever strategic skill I'm trying to build at that moment in time. So if I know I need to become better at communicating with people inside of the workspace, I'm gonna make sure I get a book from one of the best in the industry. And I'm gonna make sure I'm diving into that every, every day. When I find something that works, when I find something that sticks out to me, when I, when I find that thing that says, oh, I went through all of this and my game went up. Nobody else has a chance. I'm the best to ever do this. That resonates. This is what I do after that resonates. Throw it over there. And that's what I have for the day. You know what I mean? That's what's going to fuel me throughout the day. That's the, that's the theme for the day. And then the last thing inside of that category is being able to teach, being able to give, being able to, to train in some way, shape, form, or fashion, because we're always coaching. We're always training. We're always leading in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So making sure that's an intentional game too, whether it's telling somebody, hey, I remember you came over and you asked me this the other day about how to do this, this, and this. Here's the answer. Here's how this works. And I know it sounds like a lot, but for me, I've gotten it to a place where it's this hour, two hour time block where it absolutely electrifies me. And in, in, in like, there's this like, uh, yeah, it, it just electrifies me and sets me on fire for the day, man. And then people are like, it's like six o'clock in the afternoon and people are like, damn, how are you still on fire right now? It's because I made sure not only did I fill my life, my cup is overflowing after that two hours. So, so let, let me say this, man, it's because I think you just, you just like illustrated a point that I make all the time. Like I say, like life is a game of momentum. Like it, it is an absolutely a game of momentum. So what you just explained there, like, yeah, it's an hour, it's, it's two hours. So it's somewhere between 60 and 120 minutes in the morning. Right. But imagine each minute building momentum. So like you don't crescendo, you don't peak until what seven o'clock at night usually because your day just keeps like it doesn't matter little setbacks don't bother you because you have such a lead built like you wake up and you build such a strong momentum that life is playing from behind you're not playing from behind you're playing with a lead life is playing from behind and so every little thing that happens like we'll use a football analogy here you come out of the locker room with a 21 nothing lead you know what i mean so the rest of your day like okay they pick like life picks up a first down and by that maybe you spill a coffee all right cool well, that's a first down for somebody else. That would have been a 60 yard touchdown. Now that now it's, you know what I mean? They're down seven, nothing starting their day. And it's like exactly. for, for people that can, can, if you can own your morning and own your momentum, that that's exactly it, man. I, I love that. I love that thought process. I love that, that early momentum. Cause it's a snowball, man. It's just, if you can get it going, you, you get in a good spot and it's people don't realize either, you know, it, it's not about, land in the knockout shot at 6 a.m. Like everyone's like, I got to wake up and I got to win my day at 6 a.m. No, you just got to set your day up to be a win. You know what I'm saying? You don't have to land and not like, like boxers don't come out. Every punch is not meant to be a knockout punch. You know what I'm saying? Like they come out, like it's about, it's just building momentum. It's building momentum. Let me move, let me move, let me move. Okay, boom, there's my opportunity. Now here comes the big one. And sometimes people don't, aren't capable of taking that big shot. So, so for example, I had a huge thing come across my desk last night 
6 o'clock p.m. It was my last call of the day. Last call of the day. Big big time. If I didn't set my day up to still have energy left at 6 o'clock, I would have fumbled that opportunity. 100%. And I think that happens to so many people because they don't build momentum throughout their day. Couldn't agree with you more, man. That's the morning, it. the morning game, it's huge. For those of you who are listening right now, there's a there's a resource called uh, it's a book. It's called the 5 a.m. Club. Now it doesn't necessarily mean you have to wake up at 5 a.m. For me, I've made that commitment, but it took a while to get there. But it's the idea of what to the approach to take as soon as we wake up, which ties into some of the things that I just shared with you. Absolutely, man. So let, let me ask you this. because I, I want to be aware of your time here. I don't want to I don't want to take up your whole morning. I could sit here and talk with you all day. I know, um, man. but <laughs> let, let's talk a little bit about podcast. <laughs> I, I know it, man. I know it. Let, let's talk a little bit about what you got going with IMG and, and some of the yeah. stuff you've done at Wright State. I think this is super interesting as well. Um, so when, you, when you're dealing at IMG, like you're dealing with some of the cream of the crop, like best of the best when it comes to athletes, when it comes yeah. to academics, those types of things like what challenges do you see young leaders face when they are that athletically gifted? You know what I'm saying? So like when, when you're gifted athletically, what, what challenges, if there's any difference, you know, than, than a, a typical athlete would face or student athlete? So I, I, I can't dive into like the super specifics of the challenges some of our guys face just because I'm not, a, not at liberty to share. No, absolutely. Share the details, but I can tell you, I can tell you this in the general sense, the, from, from my experience, what I've learned is, and not just at IMG, but also at Wright State, also working with business owners, also working with, um, with people around the world in different industries, whether it be financial advisors, real estate brokers, um, uh, CEOs, COOs, directors, managers, leaders. Um, the, the challenges are always the same across the board when it comes to leadership, from what I've found. The questions are always the same. Um, it's just, they're just at a different level inside of maybe a different, uh, a different, uh, a different industry, right? So how to explain this? Um, a good example I could give is um, one of the questions that, that comes up consistently across the board is how can I lead myself better? How can I lead others better? How can I lead my teammates better? How can I lead my coworkers better? How can I, you, do you see where I'm at with this? So yeah, it's yeah. the same when it comes to this game of leadership I, at IMG, at, at, you know, at, at Wright State, when it comes to everybody who I've had the opportunity to work with, those, those questions and those challenges are consistent. The differences and the, the difference and the, um, and the approach is just a little bit different based on where they are. So let me, let me ask you this and I don't mean to cut you off here. I'm just making sure that we're on the same page. Yeah. My, I'm thinking of it this way. Like everybody, the challenge is the same being, how do I expand my leadership toolbox? The starting point is just different. So for instance, if, if I'm a, a young man or young woman at IMG, that's extremely athletically talented, I'm already very good at leading by example, just inherently because of my talents and my gifts. I have to get better at maybe leading through communication, using empathy, deploying empathy at the right time, deploying accountability in the right ways. Um, if I'm a, a, you know, a financial advisor, maybe I'm already very, very good at what I do, you know, from an X's and O's standpoint, maybe I just need to become more empathetic, or maybe I need to, need to become a better intentional listener. Like those, is that, is that kind of what you're saying is that everybody has a different starting point, but the challenge is always the same. It's expanding the toolbox to become more than a one trick pony. Yep. Gotcha. I definitely gotcha. agree with that, man. I think um, uh, 
Yeah, it just depends on it just depends on where that specific athlete is, where that specific uh, person is, where that specific business is, where that specific uh, industry is. Um, but it really comes down to where that person is in their life. Like some people may be naturally good active listeners and empathetic listeners to where others, they may be, it may be a skill that they need to build. Some people may be um, great communicators and directing and, and leading and um, telling people, Hey, here's what, here's, here's what we got here, our problems. And then I've created the solutions. Here's the direction we're going to go in. Some people may not be there, but they, but they may want to build that skill, right? So it just depends. It, I know it's like the cliche answer, but it really does depend on the specific athlete and the specific person. No, dude, I, and I, I listen, it's not the cliche answer because one of the things you learn, and this, this is one of the things that I loved about strength and conditioning, the best answer that you can give to anybody, like if someone says to me, how do I get faster? How do I get stronger? How do I jump higher? Whatever it is, the answer is always, it depends. That's the best answer that you can give because it does, it depends. I need to know the situation. I need to know the yep. case. I need to know where Got we're at. It, it, it's just that's that's what it is so so let me ask you this like yeah w- when you're dealing with with especially in the team sport avenue you know what are some tools that you use to emphasize like peer-to-peer accountability like because I, I know that in my own workshops dealing with college kids like that's one of the biggest things that they struggle with is peer-to-peer accountability what are some tools that you use to, to kind of develop that for your for your student athletes are you talking about inside of workshops Inside of workshops, inside the team setting, whatever you, whichever direction you want to take this, man. For me, for me, the the number one tool that I've found that works with peer-to-peer accountability um, are these things called walk and talk. So after I share a concept, after I share a share a story, share a few principles, share a few processes inside of a workshop, no matter where it is, if it's here at IMG, if it's, if it's here, if it's uh, consulting with someone else, if it's if it's um, yeah, working with working with a different client, it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't um, it doesn't change this this walk and talk is so powerful because it creates um, it creates a space and it creates an opportunity for two individuals to share what they just heard for themselves. So I'll give you an example. Um, let's say I share the four stages of leadership being number one, you have to become more. You have to commit to becoming more. Number two, you have to commit to doing more. Number three, you have to commit to uh, to giving more. And then number four, I share that as well. After that, what I typically do is I say, hey, what are you hearing for you right now based on where you are? Now let's partner up. Everybody grab a partner. And we're going to do a walk and talk where you, partner number one, is going to share with partner number two what he's hearing right now based on this experience. And then you're gonna share, partner number two is gonna share with partner number one, what he's hearing right now from this experience. And that creates such an amazing, uh, such an amazing accountability tool, such an amazing communication tool, such an amazing connection tool that is invaluable, man. Yeah, and I think you're, you're hitting on multiple things right there that are needed for the ability to give critical feedback down the road. And that's, you know, shared experience over time. That's what trust is. Shared experiences over time. Hey, there's an empathetic um, avenue to it because you're you're hearing somebody and you're intentionally listening to to their point of view immediately before you share your own. You know what I'm saying? Like like before you're influenced by the outside world and all the noise and and who you think you should be and, and all this different stuff. You're able to just share your experiences for a second. Um, yep. and, and not only that, you're in a you're in a safe space. And I hate that. You know, I, I don't. I hate that word. I hate safe space. I hate, I hate saying that. Um, but safe space in the sense that 
both parties know that they can share their experience without the opera without the the um you know the the thought of it being weaponized against them without that threat do you know what i'm saying like a lot of times i find that and especially in younger kids um all the way up to adults i shouldn't just say younger kids i've dealt with business owners that i hear this from like they're afraid to share their experiences because they're so afraid of it being weaponized against them and then you never get the truth out of anyone so how can you hold someone accountable if the truth isn't even on the table, like vulnerability game. Yeah. Dude, you can create an environment where uh, a high achiever can come in and be vulnerable and share their experiences. Not only is it valuable for them, but then it's valuable for everybody else who's, in high, who is a, who's a high achiever inside of that same room, because then it gives them the, um, you know, one thing, the one thing I always say is being able to give yourself permission to go, being able to give yourself permission to share. But when, when, when maybe that, that resistance is there and you see somebody else who you know pretty well, but maybe not at that deep of a level and they share something vulnerable that, you know, from their perspective and from their experiences, that ignites that fire inside of that next man to be able to do the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. It's yeah. vulnerability is contagious, man. It, it really is, man. And, and I also run this, um, I run this clubhouse room every Thursday where we have business owners from so, from, from so many different industries um, and leaders from so many different industries. And that's the, that's the consistent thing that I find when it comes to the feedback like that, man, thanks for creating this environment. And these are like high level achievers, like people who are on a level that you and I, like, like we're reaching towards. I'm talking about people who've done millions of dollars in sales, people who have impacted literally millions of people's lives in a positive way, people who have uh, who, who've built, you know, incredible businesses, people who are working inside of businesses and who are leading many people um, for a for a people centric mission. Right. Like creating these spaces, the biggest thing that I continue to hear over and over and over again is, Diamond, thanks for creating this space so that we can be vulnerable and we can share not only what we're going through, not only what, we, uh, what we're experiencing from like what's, what's going wrong, but also the things that we found that, that actually have, have allowed us to become who we are, right? right? Um, and for me, like that's, that's the most fulfilling thing in the world, man, when you can create an environment and host an environment like that. It's... Um, it, 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 it's really purposeful. It, it, no, hundred percent. And I, people, people ask me like, what was the coolest thing about being a strength coach? Like, what was the cool, you know, you coach a division one, like you did all this stuff. Like, what was the coolest thing? And I'm like, dude, it, it, well, it was the atmosphere. It was, it was the, the energy in the room. It was the atmosphere that I was able to create. Um, and, and the opportunities that I saw for young men and young women to step outside their comfort zone, maybe fail, maybe fail, but maybe not, you know what I mean? And for them to get into that mentality and switch from, what if to what if I don't like what like what if I don't take this chance what if I don't do this what if I don't share like that's 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 the mentality that I want people around me to create and to have and that's what you're talking about too like sharing that vulnerability yep that's the I, I love that man love that that's that's the biggest key to it when you can share your story man it, it creates um when you can share your story it, it sometimes opens opens up an opportunity for other people to share theirs and empowers them to share theirs. And otherwise who maybe wouldn't have, if you wouldn't have shared yours. Um, so I couldn't agree with you more, man. Same thing with the environment creation as well. Dude, listen, man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much of your time here. I know we're already, we're cruising in on an hour 15 on you. I know I told you, give me an hour. Um, already? I know, man, it's, it's been it's like it's been 10 minutes. I know we've been getting, just getting warmed up, man. We might, might have to do this again. I want to, I want to hit you with a wild card before we get out of yeah. here. Um, if you got a couple, you got, a, you got two, three more minutes. Absolutely. 
I love it, man. Let's let's hit you with this wild card. Don't think, just answer, man. First thing that comes to your mind, okay? Here we go. What does the word legacy mean to you? Legacy to me means generational wealth. And uh, generational wealth, not just in not just in finances, but also generational wealth and knowledge, also generational wealth and resources, also generational wealth in relationships, connections. Um, when I think of legacy, that is the ultimate goal. When I talk about the people who I'm impacting, people typically think about the day-to-day -day impact. But the long game plan for me is being able to not only impact while I'm here, but leave impact for, for my kids. Leave those generational wealth, keys and tools and weapons for them, my grandkids, like the whole game. So I've like, I've like thought about this so many different times, but generational wealth for sure. I love it, man. Change the narrative. That's, that's what, it, dude, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And I, dude, I can't, I can't thank you enough for your time, man. I am, this has been unbelievable guys. If you, if you get the time, please, this is one you got to listen to twice to get everything. Cause I'm telling you right now, I got, got a ton of notes here and I, I know I'm going to have to go back and go through this a few more times to unpack everything that was shared. Um, Diamond, I'm going to give you these last two minutes here, whatever you want to plug, anything you got going on, where people can find you on social media, all that stuff, man, get it out there. Mike is yours. Two minutes. Close us out. Diamond Hall. Appreciate you a ton. Appreciate you too, David. Appreciate you having me today too, man. So for everybody who's listening right now and who's listened to this podcast, I'd say definitely let's echo David and you're probably going to have to go back and listen to this two, three times. I challenge you to take some notes um, and to find one thing that you can implement inside of your life within the next 24 hours. Uh, as far as social media goes, um, across all platforms, it's Diamond Hall. So D-I-A-M-Y-N. Now, when you, jump on the, when you jump on the Instagram, go to the Instagram stories and you'll be able to see every day we, uh, we, we put up the strategic meditation game inside of Insight Timer. My challenge to everybody here today is to jump inside of that challenge. If you're listening, I think that's the best place that you can get started. If you've been struggling with jumping inside of the strategic meditation game or meditation or mindfulness in general, the best thing that you can do is join a community of people who are going to support you throughout the process and hold you accountable throughout the process and give you good information throughout the process as well um, to how you can become the best version of yourself so that you can lead yourself at an incredible level and lead other people at an incredible level as well. Love it. Thanks so much, Diamond. Man, we'll, we'll get you out of here on that note. Um, I appreciate everything you've done for us. Appreciate you being part of the family. You are now part of the Edge Leadership Academy family, Built Not Born. Um, that's what we're about. So guys, for anyone out there listening, man, this was, it was another phenomenal episode and, and the opportunity to learn and grow with this guy is something that you guys don't want to pass on. I mean, we, we dove down the rabbit hole, everything from, from being raised by single parents and, and some of the, the traumatic experiences um, that are actually growth experiences, right. And being able to shift that perspective um, and grow up the way we should and, and grow into the leaders and people that we want to be um, and more importantly, the people that we needed at a younger age. So Please, guys, take advantage of this opportunity to grow, opportunity to learn, man. There's U-turn tricks in here, how to course correct, how to be um, more you know, intentional with the way you live your life, um, all types of tips and tricks, and we'll get all that stuff in the show notes for you. Um, but as always, okay, leaders are built, not born, and we'll catch you next time.